Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It's April 6th, 2021. I mentioned that because today is three months to the day after the insurrection at the Capitol. That was three months ago. Now, I I, I know that we live in this uh, weird space-time continuum with the pandemic, but I actually had to had to stop and go, could that possibly have only been three months ago? Could that really have only been three months ago that uh, that we had the insurrection at the Capitol and attempt to uh, overturn a free, fair election? And and yet it already seems so so long ago. And and it's been dropped into the memory hole. We we've joked in the past about how quickly things uh, are, are are forgotten. Um, but I don't think you can exaggerate it in anymore. Um, all right. So I, w- I want to tell you what I try to do to prepare for uh, today's uh, podcast. Our guest, by the way, uh, Albert, uh, Albert Samaha from uh, BuzzFeed uh, is uh, joining us. Uh, Albert, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it very much. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, um, uh, Albert Samaha is an investigative reporter for uh, BuzzFeed News based in New York and wrote this amazing, mind-blowing piece couple of weeks ago. My mom believes in QAnon. I've been trying to get her out. Wow. And because she sees you, Albert, as a member of the liberal media, it's impossible to persuade her. So in order to prepare for this, I mean, actually, to, to get myself in the mood for this, I sat down last night to watch the HBO documentary on uh, on QAnon, which uh, looks to be outstanding. I, I would recommend it. I will confess to you, I couldn't get through the first uh, episode. I mean, I thought I know. I mean, I know a lot about QAnon. I followed it, but it was so depressing, and it was I, there was something about it that I just. I'll be. I mean, I could. I I couldn't take it at this point. I mean, it's one thing for people to believe things I disagree with, things that are um, you know tribal in their ideology. It's another thing to just confront the absolute crazy of it. And so I, I'm guessing you kind of know what I'm talking about, that there's there's nothing you can argue about, you can't do, and you have to keep looking at it and going, how do you believe this stuff? Yeah, that's kind of the, the piece I had to come to at some point. When, when you stop realizing, when you start realizing that there's not really a way to persuade and you just sort of have to reckon with it and figure out other ways to find peace and to find uh, ways to, to, to discuss things on common ground without kind of spiraling into like just a series of impasses. Um, but that's the thing that's scary about it. I mean, I haven't seen the documentary yet, um, but but it, it, it certainly seems like something tough to watch. And I, I mean, imagine, well, you, especially you, from the outside, seeing something like that play out must be especially um, challenging. No, I think especially challenging is what you what you write about, which is dealing with your mother. You have a great lead on the article. You should have seen my mother's Twitter page before it got suspended. <laughs> oh, so I mean, I had you know the thing about your story that 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 is remarkable is it's it's very honest, it's very detailed, and the fact that you've kept a good relationship with your mom. I mean, you don't you don't gild the lily about. How stressful it's been, or how many times you've had to scream into the pillow, but you're you're you've found a way to navigate this, and and that's 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 impressive, Albert. I, I appreciate that, and I think that's probably one of the reasons I probably uh, say it's probably harder to 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 look on from the outside because I definitely I've been hearing from a lot of people um, who have been very uh, kind, reaching out and being like, "Oh man, that sounds horrible. It sounds so bleak." Uh, and it is bleak, and there's a lot of horrible aspects to it. 
But I, I do feel like we've been able to sort of come to a place where it, it hasn't continued to damage our relationship. But I think once you're sort of in it and it's just sort of normalized, I mean, I think we've seen over the last year that as like humans, we were able to adapt to a lot of different circumstances. It'll just take us some time to to figure out our bearings. But once we figure out those bearings, um, there are ways to navigate forward. And I think that's kind of where we're at now with me and my mom, which is we figured out how to navigate forward under the understanding that our two realities may not be bridged in the way either of us hope. Yeah, well, there are two realities. I mean, you you, you mentioned right at the beginning of the story that she tweeted things like George Floyd alive, uh, question mark, uh, with a link to a YouTube video making that false claim. So this is the way you you, you describe your, your, your mom. An early adopter of the QAnon mass delusion on board since 2018, she held firm to the claim that a Satan-worshipping cabal of child sex traffickers controlled the world and the only person standing in their way was Trump. She saw him not merely as a politician, but as a savior, and she expressed her devotion in stark terms. The prophets have said Trump is anointed, she texted me once. God is using him to finally end the evil doings of the cabal, which has hurt humanity all these centuries. We are in a war between good and evil. Man, your Thanksgiving dinners must be amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's my surprise. You, we didn't. We don't talk much politics over Thanksgiving because we spend so much time talking politics between this actually seeing end. each other in person. This is a good. So usually, <laughs> well, you, you say by 2020 you'd pretty much given up on swaying your mom, and this is what's interesting: is that that you know, as a, as a journalist, you'd been trying for years to break through that kind of you know that wall that people who get into the conspiracy uh, you know theories can do, and I you you. Now, this this obviously is a strain on your relationship because you mentioned at one point that that you you know up until you went into journalism and she got into this sort of thing that you had been your mom's most trusted advisor, that you in fact had a very very close relationship. So uh, she would listen to you up until a certain point. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 And 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 I, and on and obviously. Um, you know, you share the religious faith. One of the things that was was is interesting, and I want to get to that a little bit later about how impossible it is to break through the shield, how po- impossible it is to have a reality check. But you have a really good analysis, I think, of uh, at, at the at the at the risk of having a cliche, sort of the the entry level drugs of of QAnon. You know how you get how somebody gets into it. So your mom would listen to nuns on Catholic radio stations while she listened to Pat Robertson on television. And really, you know, she wasn't very political until about 2000. Is that correct? I mean, so she, she was, you know, listened to a lot of this stuff, but you know, it, it, it hadn't tipped over um, by 2000. Correct. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff was very, I mean, it was very gradual, right? Like it's sort of this idea of building these trust with some sources. And and I think it wasn't even so much that she had turned to these specific sources. It was also that she had turned away from uh, mainstream media sources. And I think once she began to close that door, it really narrowed the lanes of of, of who she would trust. You mentioned that in the early 2000s, with the help of these trusted voices, you know, she came to believe that there were these evil forces, uh, forces attacking God's plan. Uh, and you said a, a book she read around this time claimed that an ancient secret society called the Freemasons had infiltrated powerful institutions. So this seems to be one of the early moments at which she became interested in conspiracy theories. So 
again, listening to Catholic, listening to the nuns on the Catholic radio stations, Pat Robertson kind of being out there, but then the book, do you remember what the book was? I don't remember the name no. of the book. It was, it was one of those soft covers, had a black okay. cover. Um, I think there's, I, I think I try to track it down. I think there's a few on the subject. Well, then, then Pat Robertson, you know, wrote his own book, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the new world order. And I think people sometimes forget how deep into some of these conspiracy theories somebody like a Pat Robertson was. So if you followed Pat Robertson, you were preconditioned to believe a lot of stuff, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was the that's the gateway, right, is that once you start to believe a few things that are not based on evidence, um, what's you know, what stops you to kind of have the next domino fall and the next domino fall and the decade later, you know, it's kind of this whole landscape of falsities. You also mentioned the only mainstream media outlet that spoke to her concerns was Fox News, and she was getting into uh, getting into that stuff. Uh, she was concerned about not teach uh, concerned that they were teaching evolution in schools, uh, equal rights for same sex couples. She blamed George Soros for funding these secret societies. Uh, but 2012, she was still politically, I would say, somewhat normal. She was supporting. Rick Santorum in 2016, you think she backed Ted Cruz over Donald Trump? She actually thought that Donald Trump was was vulgar at the beginning of 2016. She was she wasn't a Trumpist from the beginning. Yeah, and you know, in the story, it's pretty clear where, where my political beliefs stand. And yet, I was like so relieved when she backed Ted Cruz. I was like, okay, cool, we could work with this. Our, I mean, I think one of the interesting things about our sort of the evolution of our discourse was that. In like twenty, in like twenty ten, when our arguments were still largely policy based, right? It was about, you know, um, whether you know the Affordable Care Act um, uh, funds abortions, and it, and it was still sort of a debate within the realm of things I felt comfortable debating, um, okay. because it's just kind of a normal political debate that you hear around many Thanksgiving tables, right? But by the time you know Trump comes around, I'm hoping she's still holding on to kind of this policy based um, disagreement, and but 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 yeah, as you're about to get to, this is sort of when things take a turn. Yeah. So she, she thinks he's vulgar. She doesn't support him. She sort of reluctantly votes for him because, because he's, he's, uh, he's pro, he's pro-life, right? He would support, uh, he would appoint judges who would overturn Roe versus Wade. But you point out that your mom, when your mom picks a side, she digs in and she holds the line. And then you have this really interesting um, description of her evolution within a year bolstered by an expanding far-right media ecosystem, supplying information about the secular threat. She elevated Trump from a noxious necessity to a decent man who'd made mistakes in the past but found his way, a modern-day Saul. And so uh, she's reading the Epic Times. Uh, she subscribes to Judicial Watch. She stumbles onto YouTube videos revealing mysteries about the deep state that Trump was combating and um, after a while, she's texting you that Trump's not perfect, but God chose him to serve. So that that's a long way from thinking that he's vulgar and you vote for him reluctantly. It was, and I didn't I didn't totally understand it at first. Like it, that 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 stuff caught me a bit off guard. Um, and I think that was, I mean, obviously that was a moment in time where I think a lot of folks were trying to understand the appeal of Trump. And like looking back now, it's 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 pretty clear, like. What happened there, but but at the time it all felt pretty disorienting because like my understanding of my mom's ideology and, and what she stood for um, seemed to very much contrast with what what Trump stood for, and and I think that was I mean if, if there's been any silver lining to to kind of my experience in going through 
this with my mom. It's that I think I kind of had a front row seat to seeing and, and trying to understand how kind of Trump's appeal gained steam, despite the fact that he like ostensibly seemed to represent so many things that his supporters had, had pre- like my mom had previously been against. So now we get to 2018. So where there's there's no QAnon up until now. It's just it's Judicial Watch, Epic Times, Fox News, Pat Robertson, YouTube videos, that sort of thing. And I had to laugh out loud when we got to the part where she stumbles on Q, this uh, this this anonymous person who posts these drops on the Internet, claims to be an insider. People believe he's some sort of a military aide. And you said, I saw no reason for alarm because she already believed in all sorts of baseless conspiracy theories. What harm could one more do? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing, right? Is that all the other conspiracy theories, you know, Illuminati, Freemasons, these were all just kind of lingering in the backdrop, but they were never really part of the central current of like the discourse, right? Like they just, these were just kind of um, powerful entities that, that, that lingered behind the stage, but they were never really tied to any like specific policies or candidates or ideas. And so they were never really anything I had to worry much about, I guess. And, and I kind of just assumed Q would fall along those lines as well. Just, an, just another thing um, to believe or not believe. Well, tell me, tell us a little bit about Q. Uh, how how Q operates and what you think the appeal is. I mean, Q, Q is not, it, it doesn't write policy papers, it's not about issues. It's these little like coded drops. How would, how would you describe mm-hmm. it? I, I think there's a couple of appeals. For my mom specifically, one of the appeals was that the uh, false reality that Q was presenting um, very much aligned with the theories that she had already believed, right? Like the, the Q did kind of affirm this belief that there was this um, wide secular conspiracy threat, you know, the one that she had tied to the Freemasons and Illuminati and, and George Soros. In many ways, Q was kind of just building on that foundation. Um, and, and the way Q would work is, you know, the the, the poster would, would drop these really cryptic messages loaded with um, – uh, kind of vague statements and prophecies um, that you know posits Trump as as a savior fighting this deep state cabal, um, while at the same time not revealing all the information this you know alleged government official knows. Um, and these this sort of entire ecosystem that builds around Q. I mean, I guess the analogy I've been using is like if if Q is Jesus, there's a lot of Matthew, Mark, Luke's, and Johns who are sort of interpreting the word of Q. And I think those interpretations from like this community of, of, of self-described patriots, I think is sort of the heart of the literature that my mom was following. Like she wasn't necessarily reading every Q drop as soon as it happened. She was re- interpreting Q kind of through the lens of these, of these, um, these other online posters who were kind of explaining to her, here's what Q really means when they say this. Um, so I think at some point for my mom and a lot of other folks, it almost became indistinguishable. You know, what is the word of Q? What is just kind of the gospel written by, you know, the, the Q gospel written by these gospel writers? And it all just sort of blended together to kind of form the landscape of, of, of her and other people's beliefs. Okay, so you tried to push back. You, you, you pushed back against the conspiracy theories that your mom threw at you. And, you know, some of them were more formidable than, than Q. But, you know, what was it like trying to say, okay, well, this isn't true. This isn't true. Okay, well, here's evidence that would show that this prediction didn't happen. Um, none of that worked. Yeah. And, you know, at first, I, like, I didn't really see 
Q as a threat at all. In fact, I saw Q as weaker than a lot of the conspiracy theories. It was a lot easier to disprove Q than it was. Like, I don't know how to prove to her that, like, Beyonce isn't a member of the Illuminati. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, where do you start? Where I mean, do you start? Yeah. Right? But with Q, it was like, okay, well, if, you know, Oprah and Tom Hanks have been arrested, well, I, you know, I see them on live television, you know, or, you know, the, and Q was also filled with a lot of these prophecies of like something will happen on this day. You know, the, the mass arrests will happen on this day. You know, John F. Kennedy Jr. will return and show he, he'd been faking his death on this day and then things wouldn't happen. So it seemed to me like, oh, this is very easy to show that this is this is not legitimate because these predictions aren't coming true. But to me, it sort of turned out that what I thought was that a vulnerability in these kind of inconsistent prophecies was was actually the strength is that it 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 continued it was an, it was a living thing where every time something wouldn't happen well there'd be a new theory to explain why it didn't happen and there would be clues so it kind of it kind of uh, developed this community of, of of investigators who were chasing these clues around the internet and trying to find well why didn't this happen why couldn't that happen um, and I think there was I mean I think a lot like uh, I think my mom and a lot of other people who followed Q genuinely enjoy the experience of this kind of investigative hunt chasing down these clues putting the pieces it was together. almost like a game it's yeah. almost like a game mm-hmm. isn't it I mean because it is and the, and the fate of the world is is at stake and it's constantly changing and you're constantly trying to figure it out and you're part of it and you have the secret knowledge so it's kind of exciting and it's fun exactly and and I mean to a degree it's I mean part of me you know wanted to think like well you know what's the harm you know, like right. if if this is something where they, people are just having fun, it's a little cosplay situation. And in fact, I've had arguments with some friends over like to what degree Q was mostly just, you know, cosplayers having fun and pretending it's real, but not truly believing it. And to what degree it was folks who actually believe they're trying to uncover some, some massive deep state conspiracy. Um, and, and I think like that debate sort of crescendoed like on like January 6th, right? It's like there's a point at which it's like, oh, wait a minute you know, this this has some consequences. Yeah. Well, I want to just, because your, your, your point here is really fascinating about that Q ought to be vulnerable because it makes claims that are easy to disprove. Like you, you point out Oprah was not detained during the, the mass arrest because she's on TV, right? Trump's 4th of July speech at Mount Rushmore uh, did not come to an end. I mean, actually happened without John F. Kennedy Jr. revealing that he was alive, right? And becoming his new running mate. None of that happened. But, you know, it, it, people who get are deep into this, this is not proof that they've been conned. And I think that, you know, when you write, it was a live, flexible sprouting more questions than answer, more clues to study, an investigation playing out in real time. I think that's important to understand why it is so difficult to push back against all of this. Also, as you point out that that at a certain point, your disagreements uh, between you and your mom are no longer ideological, but at least on her part, part of a celestial conflict. So that raises the stakes rather dramatically, doesn't it? That this is really about good and evil, and it's playing out at a, at a sort of a, an apocalyptic level. Yeah, and, and to some degree, it had always kind of been about good and evil, right? Like, even even before when our disagree, like, pre-Q, when our disagreements were purely over, like, which politician is, is more pro-life and, and things like that, like, I think my mom still probably would have phrased it as a battle between 
good and evil. But in, in those cases, good and evil was rooted in specific policies that were true. That, you know, if, if she believes abortion is the, the, the worst, you know, thing on, on the planet and we need to eradicate it, that is like a concrete thing grounded in like a, a real life mm-hmm. belief. Right. Versus with Q, it's like this, this the, 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 li- the battle lines that she's drawn between good and evil are, are rooted in fantasy, right? So, so it's it's that sort of what made it scary for me, and 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 in a way that even her previous, um, like even if it had been a celestial conflict before, it was one grounded in reality. And now it's like, well, where can this go, right? If, if this, if 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 she she believes, and a lot of people believe that this is a battle between good and evil, but the battle lines are are kind of just made up in their heads. You know, what are the long term consequences of this? That's what I wasn't sure. <laughs> Well, and your and your mom became very much involved in MAGA world, showing up at the rallies, showing up at a lot of different events, um, and uh, you 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 know she, she would send you the, the 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 you know the selfies. You you know obviously were in touch with her about that, but it, so she was thoroughly into MAGA throughout the campaign. So QAnon is not MAGA. MAGA is not necessarily QAnon, but they are. How would you describe the relationship between them? I mean, they're they they seem. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? I mean, they, they, there's a symbiotic relationship between them that they, they feed into one another. A- absolutely. Right. And it's a bit of a chicken and the egg there too, right? Yeah, like my right. mom, obviously, you know, she, you know, Trump, her support for Trump predated QAnon, um, but QAnon reaffirmed her support for Trump, right? Like she's supporting Trump and maybe she had some doubts about like his past, but then here comes QAnon saying, oh, no, 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 actually you're right to support this guy. He actually is the person trying to defeat this deep state. Um, so, like, how many people were drawn to QAnon because of their support from Trump? How many people developed support for Trump because they had been drawn by QAnon? You know, who knows? I'm not sure. But uh, for someone who, you know, is supporting Trump and believes QAnon, QAnon affirms and validates your reasons for supporting Trump. Not only that, but but elevates him beyond just your candidate of choice who's going to appoint conservative Supreme Court justice, but into, uh, a, you know, a, a demagogic messiah. Um, messiah figure who's actually going to topple this entire secular deep state threat. So in this world of, of, of good versus evil, you know, at the center of much of this evil is the evil mainstream news media, right? Of which you are part. Indeed. (laughs) I mean, this is not just a father son story. I mean, father, um, I'm sorry, mother, mother son story. This is also a story of this woman, of your mom, who's getting deeply involved in this world while her son, you, are part of the mainstream media writing about this in real time. I mean, how did that work? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I was sort of prepared for it because, like, we've we've um, we've debated the validity of my work before, right? Like, it, it. I mean, I tell a lot of people that this was a lot easier for my mom and I to deal with because we have a decade of political debates, and it wasn't like QAnon came out of nowhere, right? It was a long slope. Um, so, so you know, so we'd had those debates before, but I think, but it wasn't until QAnon when the allegations went from being you know, stop attacking the church or, you know, stop, stop attacking these politicians. I like to like, stop being complicit in, you know, the election fraud, stop being complicit in the deep states where it became from your, you know, from being an immoral journalist writing about things that she didn't like to being a complicit member of this sprawling conspiracy that, that, that she and her patriots and her, 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 her um, candidates were devoted to toppling. 
Um, so, but, but you 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 you've explained to her that you are not actually covering up for baby eating pedophiles, right? I mean, but isn't that what someone from the deep state would say? You know, like, <laughs> so I, I have I have I have explained okay. that. But her her argument would be that I've been brainwashed, right? Because I mean, one of uh, the I think funny oh. things about this is that like like my, my mom is still like is still like super supportive and loving and you know. Yeah. One of the reasons I, I opened the story with the Twitter stuff was because, like, I just found it so funny how, like, if you were one of the 85 people following her, you must have been so confused. Because between all, like, the QAnon stuff would be random articles supporting my, you know, random tweets supporting my stories about, like, <laughs> criminal justice reform and all these, mm-hmm. like, you know, stories that, that, that you know, promote these, these, you know, seemingly progressive policies and things like that. Um, so, so she, like, she, she would say that... My heart is pure, but I've been kind of misled and, and kind of deceived and pulled into this conspiracy unwittingly because of my profession and because of the influences around me. And so it's not it's not my fault. It's sort of the liberal media's fault for, for brainwashing me. I think that's yeah. how she would reconcile that. Okay, so let's go to January 6th. I started the podcast by mentioning today is three months, uh, three months since January 6th. Doesn't it seem like a lot longer ago or does it seem really recent to you? Well, it's funny. It's funny you said that because I was thinking yeah. the exact opposite. I yeah. was like, uh, "Dang, it's been. It's already been. It's already been three months." Um, yeah. Well, you talk about this um, and 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 the panic when you realized that she was going to protest not in Washington D.C. but in Sacramento. Yeah, and I mean, looking back on that day, um, like it. Yeah, it. it, it the, my I woke up that morning and then you know saw my mom was going to Sacramento. And obviously my primary concern, as it had been all summer, is like her spending time, you know, around in a crowd of people, many of whom were not wearing masks. And, you know, why are you doing this again? You need to, you know, make yourself safe. And so I was really upset and kind of like tripping out even before things got wild in D.C. Um, Because my concern was mostly just like stop going to these rallies where people aren't wearing masks and then, obviously, once things took a turn in D.C., it became like, oh, Lord, I hope my mom doesn't storm the, the Capitol in Sacramento if it comes to that. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned it, that you, you screamed into your pillow and punched a wall so hard that I broke – that you thought you broke your hand <laughs> um, at, at the time. So this is the other thing, and I, I think maybe we've gone over it, but I, I'm still fascinated by it. What do people – people – I'm sorry, people in QAnon – thought that on January 6th, the election was going to be overturned. They thought that something was going to happen on January 20th, right? What did your mom think was going to happen? Did she believe that Donald Trump was going to remain as president of the United States? Yeah. And and, and the thing I actually think calmed my nerves a bit with how the theory keeps changing is that for folks who believe in QAnon, everything's like still going according to plan. Right. It, it's that it's it's that even if there was some election fraud, there's still a plan and, and Trump still has everything under control. So her belief was that on January 6th, you know, Trump would emerge with a grand plan and, 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 the, and, the, and the election certification and all kind of the election process would stop. All the mass arrests would happen. And and, and then suddenly kind of we're back to a, a Trump presidency. Um, so, yeah, she did. She did believe that there was sort of a, a plan in motion that was soon to be revealed. 
And then, then, and then on March fourth, they she believed that that on, on March fourth, what uh, that was the the the, the day of the inauguration until the nineteen thirties. There were people who who thought that no no U.S. president in the last one hundred and fifty years has been legitimate, so that he might come back. So, what does she think is going to happen now? Where are we at now? Because none of these things have happened. So, well, I didn't, and, you know, there's always another date. I don't know what the date is now. I mean, she. I mean, one thing that does hearten me a bit is that her certainty doesn't seem quite as cemented as it did. I, I think part of this is just that there's fewer Q drops. You know, Donald Trump's not in our ears, you know, on Twitter and, and, and on TV as much as he was before. So there's also kind of like a vacuum of information. And I think in that, you know, there because there are fewer clues being dropped, there's fewer conclusions to be had. Obviously, the scary thing is who's going to step into that vacuum of information and kind of be the new leader for, for folks who believe in Q. But but at, at this point, it, it's kind of a wait and see mode. I think that's kind of her, 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 her motto at this point is like, just wait and see. But as I mentioned in the story, we have a wager um, in, in last August, um, you know, shortly after the 4th of July uh, speech where JFK Jr. didn't reappear. We decided instead of just arguing, let's just like bet and be like, okay, I'll give you a year. She's like, okay, it'll happen within a year. If it doesn't happen within a year, maybe I'll reconsider. So we're kind of just like, who knows what will happen when, you know, the year comes and goes, if some, you know, assuming nothing happens. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't totally know like where things go from here. I mean, not much has changed, I think, since January 6th from the point of like, you know, what she believes and what the other QAnon believers still believe. Does, does she watch, does she still watch Fox or has she started watching Newsmax and OAN? Yeah, she turned against Fox on election oh, really? week the way a lot of, a lot of I think, um, far-right folks did. Um, yeah, she's more into, she doesn't watch Newsmax and OAN like on TV, but she'll watch, you know, clips on YouTube and, and Twitter and things like that. And I think most of her, most of her sources at this point are like this, the, the really far-right, you know, hyper-partisan websites or whatever you want to call them, disinformation websites. Which would suggest that you're right when you say that things are getting worse, that things are going down the, the, the rabbit holes even, even, even further. You know, I keep thinking about the, the, the question, what does it take to, to break this? What, what trusted voice would be out there to say, no, this is not true? And as your story makes it clear, you were that trusted voice. You were, you were, you know, the, the son who was with her, um, you know, you describe your, your Catholic faith, you, you know, you were not alienated from her. She trusted your judgment up until a certain point. And, and now that she's in that world, there's really no one who could stand up and say, hey, you know what, this stuff is just wrong. And that's the problem, yeah, isn't it? That is, you know, that there's, there's no, there's no, there are no guardrails anymore. There are, there are no, uh, there are no referees. Not even the Pope, right? Like it becomes a circular argument where anyone who opposes the belief is therefore complicit in kind of the deep state conspiracy, including, you know, the archbishops and and the Pope and the other religious figures who have stood up against it. Um, And, and yeah, and I agree with you that that's sort of the thing that still scares me. Like at least like a decade ago, even when I disagreed with a a lot of her, her ideological stances, there was someone I can point to and hold accountable. Like, oh, you know, you know, Bill O'Reilly's just making stuff up or something like that. While now it's like the, the people who are the sources of beliefs are just kind of anonymous, you know, <clears throat> not even names, just a lot anonymous writers online who can say whatever they want and right. can't really be held accountable to the same degree. 
And it's, and it's always shifting and always adaptable. So you write near the end of this piece. I wish I could offer some evidence showing that the gulf between us might be narrowing, that my love, persistence, and collection of facts might be enough to draw her back into a reality we share, and that when our wager about the storm comes due in a few months, which you just mentioned, she'll realize the voices she trusts have been lying to her, but I don't think that will happen. So, I mean, that's, I, I think what people are, are sort of looking at, it's like they have relatives, they have friends, and they're thinking, what do I do? How do I handle this? And I think what most people do is they they basically end the relationship. You can't do it if it's your mom, though. So, you know, but right. you, 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 this is not temporary. You You basically are now acknowledging that this is, she's not coming around. Yeah. And, you know, I think there, there was kind of a, a, an unburdening once I came to that realization where I, I used to set my measures of, you know, success or progress or whatever you want to call it based on my ability to persuade her. And I think once I let that go and realized, you know what, this isn't about persuading her. This is about, you know, mitigating damage and maintaining our relationship. It made it a bit easier for me because it became more about asking questions. And, and I think once I, I mean, I will say it, it became a lot easier once I started looking at it from a more journalistic lens. I mean, I, I, I've been interviewing my mom for a book I've been working on about my family's history. And so we had already kind of had this, we, we already kind of, we were used to this kind of journalist source interviewing relationship. Hmm. And, and I think it sort of made it easier for me as a journalist because I no longer had to play the role of a, a, a concerned, angry son and could sort of just detach myself and put myself yeah. back in my reporter shoes and been like, well, how will I talk to my mom if I was just doing a story on QAnon? Um, I wouldn't get angry at her. I wouldn't try to persuade her. I would try to understand where she's coming from and why she believes what she believes. And, and at some point last summer, that's sort of where like I came to, which is that instead of trying to change her mind, let me just sort of try to understand why she believes what she believes. Because there was a point when she was like, you know, should I just stop sending you all this stuff because it would make me upset? I'd be like, no, 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 actually, I think it's good for me to know what a lot of people believe and kind of give me a frontline view of how people are, are, are you know, navigating QAnon beliefs. Um, and she agreed. And I mean, that's part of the reason she supported me doing the story is that she knows a lot of other people are, are, are in our shoes. Um, well. Now, now that's interesting. She supported you doing this story, and I asked you this before, so I know what the answer is. But so she's read this story. Your mm -hmm. mom read the story about her being in QAnon and how you're trying to get her out. What, yeah, her, what did she, what, what did she think? What, what was her reaction? I mean, her biggest concern was that my beliefs would embarrass her in front of her friends. Yeah, and 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 I mean, she was proud of the story, right? I mean, she was she she's proud to have her beliefs out there. I mean, as I put in the story, you know, she's tweeted her beliefs many times. Um, so uh, it turns out her friends like the story because they, they're kind of in a similar situation with their kids. Um, I, I, I think that that she, we both <laughs> kind of come to the conclusion that like, you know, we have this disagreement, but we're, each of us sort of represent a popular view in America. Right. And like she wanted to understand where I was coming from, just as I wanted to understand where she was coming from. And we both thought like, OK, well, I, I believe that like her beliefs were worth understanding because so many others share them. And I didn't want to just dismiss them because um, it's very easy to dismiss. I know a lot of people that would just dismiss them. Um, and at the same time, you know, she wanted to know where I was coming from just to kind of 
keep tabs on where I stood in terms of my relationship with the deep state and, you know, where my complicity was at. Um, and so that's sort of the, the direction our, our relationship has gone in terms so, of this agreement. To some extent, she seems to be kind of enjoying this sparring back and forth between the two of you. That mm-hmm. that 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 it's kind of maybe following QAnon is kind of fun, but but also going back and forth with you. She seems to actually. Am I wrong about this? Does she kind of enjoy it? Because this was not something I thought when I first read your article. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the guy's written about his mom. I mean, this is like you know, shots fired. <laughs> but well, but no, not not at all. Right, right. She she. I, I I don't know if I would go as far to say that she enjoys it, but she definitely. She has not given up on on trying to persuade me, and I think she still she does see the value in making sure that I. I mean, she always tells me like, you know, I know you disagree, but a lot of people agree with me, and you should understand how Americans feel, and so you should continue to like listen to what I'm saying, even if it's not to agree with me, just so you can understand how a lot of people feel, um, and and that's sort of been her perspective lately. Well, one thing that they took away from your article, though, was that Q doesn't just come out of nowhere, that the ground had been softened up for a very, very long time for a lot of people. And this had been going on for a long time. And I think that that's pretty obvious as you go back and read, you know, things written in the 1960s about, you know, the paranoid tradition in American politics. Conspiracy theories have been with us for a very, very, very long time, which also goes to your final point that whatever happens with Q – uh, this just doesn't go away because there will be successors. There's a market for it. There are people who are predisposed to think in this way and are looking for these kinds of clues and secret knowledge. So whether or not QAnon persists, there's going to be somebody else out there, won't there? That's that's the thing that I'm kind of keeping my guard up for, is that there is a constituency here. And there will be political leaders, presumably um, even more competent than Trump, who who will have an even better idea of how to to rally these folks behind them, right? I think we saw a little bit of that, obviously, with like Josh Hawley in, on January 6th in a bit of a different way. But this specific kind of QAnon belief system, we have a whole trove, a, a pool of very loyal, devoted followers. And someone's going to take advantage of that. And it's a question of who and what their motives are. You, 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 you raise another question here. The... Obviously, there's these devoted followers, but how easy will it be to transfer it? I mean, it's one thing for people to say that, you know, that Donald Trump is God's anointed and all of that mythology that's grown up. And you have the wannabes, you know, who uh, the, the Josh Hollies, the Ted Cruz's, the the others, the Christy Gnomes who want to be the next, you know, or Ron DeSantis want to be the next Donald Trump. What is your sense about whether or not that's transferable or, or whether or not Trump himself was something, a unique phenomenon as, as a personality cult? I think the thing I'm still trying to figure out is whether whether this, for the support to transfer, there has to be some sort of um, – whether Q themselves must issue their support for this person, whether mm. kind of the gospel writers of Q will have to issue their support. I mean, I think because this thing is so centralized, it's really hard to say – who kind of how, how the support can be ushered, right? Will so it be Q a might have that kind of influence. Yeah, there's this shadowy figure out there whose endorsement might actually make a difference. Think about that. Exactly, right? I mean, that's the question: is that will it need to come from Q, or can someone like Christine Ohm just say, 
hey, I mean, because it's not even like Trump outwardly said, I support Q, right? He just declined to denounce it. He just maybe even made intentional points to to, um, low-key express his support without saying it outwardly. I mean, because this is so rooted in, in, in clues and in subtext, it would not be hard for someone like Christy Noem to, you know, say, use, tweet something that has the letter Q in it, you know, and that'll be enough right. for people to be like, she's on our side. Because there are codes. This is what I think people need to understand is that, is that there are codes that are embedded and that once you include that code, once you say, you know, you know, where, where one goes, we all go. I mean, that's, that's, that's very easily identified as a, as a, as a, as a QAnon slogan and somebody on the outside might not get it right. Uh, that sort of thing. You used a phrase though, that I wanted to make sure that people notice you're talking about Q or the Q gospel writers. What is the distinction? Who are the Q gospel writers? Uh, These are just the folks that interpret Q's drops and, and, and between the drops, sort of explain to the followers, you know, Q hasn't spoken in a while, but here's probably what Q would feel about this. Just sort of interpreting what Q says and also filling in the gaps of, of Q's absence. Because um, I, I do believe that if, if even if Trump had gone out and said explicitly, hey, this Q stuff is, is not rooted in reality, I don't support it, you guys should stop following it, I do believe that a lot of Q followers probably would have just said, he's just saying what he has to say to oh, yeah. legitimacy. He doesn't really need that. Oh yeah, no. There, I mean, it, as as you point out, when it is that malleable, when it is that adaptable, you just simply assume. Look, the the fact that your mom uh, is thinking, well, you know, maybe the, the the Pope himself has been has been compromised, right? So, right. There's. I was thinking of of a joke of somebody that that uh, that, that dies and goes up to um, you know the pearly gates, and Saint Peter is there. And they're talking about voter fraud or something. And, and St. Peter says, well, you know, there was no voter fraud. And then one guy turns to the other and says, see how high up it goes? I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, mean it, yeah. I, I botched the joke, but you get, you, you get the point that there's always an explanation. Albert Samaha, thank you so much for joining me and, uh, and being so candid and for writing this remarkable article. You can find this on BuzzFeed. My mom believes in QAnon. I've been trying to get her out. Because she sees me as a member of the liberal media, it's impossible to persuade her. It's a very honest, very informative piece, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the conversation. And thank you all for listening to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow, and we'll do this all over again.